I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I'm going to look uh, a little bit at the um, German and Austro-Hungarian strategic reasoning in uh, 1914 um, as the two uh, main central powers. Um, They were surrounded by enemies facing uh, opponents on two fronts in the case of Um, Austria-Hungary, Serbia and Russia, and in the case of Germany, uh, France and Russia, and then of course the United Kingdom. And we're looking in Chapter 3, The War of Illusions, uh, of um, Alexander Watson's brilliant uh, Ring of Steel, um, his history of how, uh, of the... uh, First World War from a Germanic and uh, Austro-Hungarian perspective. Uh, And he writes, The German and Habsburg general staffs confronted a strategic nightmare in the summer of 1914. Each faced a war on two fronts. To Germany's west stood the modern French, Belgian and British armies. Opposite Austro-Hungaria's southeast border, there were battle-hardened Serbian Montenegrin troops. And in the east over both loomed the mighty Russian military. Together, these enemies fielded 5,726,000 soldiers, organised into 218 infantry and 49 cavalry divisions. Against them, the Central Powers just had 3,485,000 men in 137 infantry and 22 cavalry divisions. German and Austro-Hungarian generals knew that if victory were to be won, despite their forces' numerical inferiority, it would have to be quick for the odds against them would only lengthen in a prolonged conflict. France and Russia's combined gross domestic product exceeded that of the Central Powers by one-fifth, and the Tsarist Empire's population alone outnumbered their inhabitants by one-third. Moreover, German military planners had assumed since 1908 that Britain would inevitably, if not immediately, enter hostilities 
um, and place its enormous financial and naval resources at the Entente's disposal. There were sound domestic reasons to fear, um, too, to fear a long conflict. Habsburg leaders, already anxious about their people's loyalties in peace, could scarcely welcome the destabilizing hardship and, discon um, and discontents that would accompany extended hostilities. So, the um, strategic picture is not good. The overall uh, balance of forces is not in Germany's favour. And for both the Austro-Hungarian and German empires, the um, internal divisions, um, though there was a brief period of internal unity, the internal divisions would become exposed um, pretty quickly. So it was these strategic considerations that shaped um, what the Central Powers planned and what they actually did. Um, fighting a drawn-out war was not an option. They do wind up fighting a drawn-out war, but in 1914 tried to do everything in their power to prevent that. Um, Alfred von Schlieffen, author of the Schlieffen Plan, believed that the biggest risk to Germany was that a long drawn-out war would bring uh, civil chaos. Uh, he was aware that it would be British naval strategy to try to strangle Germany economically and bring Germany in resource terms to its knees, and this would quite possibly spark food rights and maybe even a revolution. And he was remarkably prescient, because in 1918... That's precisely what happens. Um, and so um, winning quickly was um, something that was um, absolutely essential. Geographically, both Great Britain and Russia had uh, the advantage, Russia being so vast it was almost unconquerable, and in the case of Great Britain, being, being an island. Germany has uh, numerous land borders with other powers, um, and is surrounded uh, by um, potential, uh, potentially hostile enemies uh, since its creation in 1871. And so um, it's a, an easily invadable country for a, a country that is so steeped in military um, tradition. Um, it is easily invadable, and this is partly, partly an explainer of German militarism. German, or specifically Prussian militarism, is a, a kind of a, a product of the, the, the never-again sentiment, the humiliation that the Battle of Jena at the hands of Napoleon had led um, the uh, Prussian uh, military um, classes, the, the, the Junkers, uh, to uh, adopt many of the um, military lessons that Napoleon taught. Uh, and to really enshrine those in the doctrines of Prussian and then German militarism throughout the 19th century. Um, and the uh, difficulties of defending Germany meant that a, a, a powerful, proactive, decisive military um, that was capable of um, adaptation and improvisation was really, really essential. The German army um, operated on a principle of Auftrag's tactic, uh, where the chiefs of staff would set out 
the overall strategic objectives, you know, the capture of Paris, for example, or the channel ports, but how these were implemented came down to um, field commanders, uh, the, the, the generals and the uh, other uh, ranks who were implementing strategy. Um, so that what that meant was that the chiefs of staff or perhaps even the Kaiser himself was not micromanaging um, German strategy and ensuring that it was overly rigid. People were reacting to circumstances as they uncovered them um, in, uh, in, in the field. There's that famous um, aphorism by von Tanswitz that says essentially um, that plans are uh, useful until they kind of meet contact with reality and then they're, they're, they're pretty useless. And so the, this, this highly adaptable German army fared exceedingly well in 1914. Alexander Watson writes, Surprisingly, given how tightly their fates were bound and the difficulty of the task that they faced, the German and Habsburg armies had cooperated only loosely in planning their wars. Under Schlieffen, who was intensely secretive about his plans and contemptuous of Austro-Hungarian military capabilities, contacts between the chiefs of the, Hunga uh, of the general staff were by 1905 limited an annual exchange of Christmas cards. The rise of Helmuth von Moltke and Franz Conrad von Hotzendorf uh, to, the top army, the, the, to the top of the armies in January and November 1906 respectively, and the international tensions sparked by the Bosnian crisis in 1908 brought more cordial relations and some greater openness about what the Allies hoped from each other. To his credit, Conrad pressed for more detailed discussions in the years directly before the First World War, but neither Emperor Franz Josef and his government nor the Germans were keen. Instead, the agreements reached were personal undertakings between the two chiefs of staff. In 1909, the Austro-Hungarians were told that in a two-front war, the Germans planned first to deploy the overwhelming majority of their forces in the West, Moltke needed uh, an, early, um, um, an early Habsburg offensive to distract the Russians from the Reich's weakly defended eastern border while his army quickly defeated the French. As a sop and reassurance, he promised Conrad that the small forces left there would attack in order to draw off as many um, and as much of the enemy's strength as from the south as possible. For the Habsburg chief of the general staff, the prospect of taking on almost the full might of the Tsarist army alone was daunting already in 1909. Moltke's promise appeared increasingly unrealistic in the years afterwards, as the Eastern Army rearmed and updated its deployment plans. However, Conrad did not press him hard for any more detailed commitment. After a German victory in the West and a successful Habsburg holding action, the Reich's army would be transferred eastwards, enabling the Central Powers to overwhelm their Russian enemy. With this assurance, Conrad could risk a confrontation with Serbia, an operation that he passionately wished to undertake. So, one has to put, if one is uh, Conrad von Hotzendorf, a huge amount of faith in what um, Moltke says is going to happen. And Moltke was basing what he thought would happen on the Schlieffen plan. 
And unfortunately for Moltke, within a year or two of the Schlieffen Plan having been written, it was out of date. This wasn't really a case of German bad faith. It was a case of the um, material realities of what Schlieffen had planned, uh, had, had based his plan on, fundamentally changing. And that was this. There was a belief that France could be defeated quickly, um, and during that time, Russia would mobilise slowly. Um, France, of course, isn't defeated quickly. Um, it's, it was again assumed by the Schlieffen Plan that the British don't enter the war right away, that, uh, and that Germany, um, which, which crosses in, in order to avoid the Ardennes Forest, crosses through the lowlands of Belgium and into northern France, that Germany wouldn't be obstructed by Belgium, and both these assumptions proved to be wrong, that the British do join the war right away, and the Belgians do put up quite a spirited fight and hold off the Germans for crucial days before um, enabling uh, the French army to mobilise much more quickly. Um, so the Germans make slow progress in 1914 through Belgium and into France, or slower progress than they anticipated, and they are stopped. Uh, there's the, the, war, the battles of the frontiers, uh, and then finally they are stopped at the first Battle of the Marne, by the British and the French, and this is referred to as the, the miracle of the man. Um, the uh, British and the French sustain enormous casualties. Uh, the British expeditionary force is almost wiped out. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, and um, the German army is unable to capture Paris. So the, the high-speed war that's essential not just for Germany but also for Austro uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, that does not happen. And instead a war of position emerges which is both Germany and Austro-Hungary's, 
Austria-Hungary's worst nightmares. So everything that Austria-Hungary has hoped for in the West doesn't come true. The promises that Germany makes to Austria-Hungary are um, pretty hollow, not because of Germany's bad faith, but because uh, the things that Germany predicts do not come to pass. But it gets even worse, because the Russian steamroller in the East, in the east doesn't take a long time to mobilise. The Russian army gets ready for war much, much quicker, largely as a result of the industrialisation of Russia and the building in the previous 10 years of um, a significantly expanded railway network. Uh, the Russians are um, actually a, a very well-equipped army in 1914. The Russian army, for example, is the first army uh, in the world to use aircraft. Um, it is extremely poorly led, and at the battles of the Mazurian Lakes and the Battle of Tannenberg, um, incompetence, breathtaking incompetence, um, leads Germany in part, well, it's partly responsible for Germany's astonishing victory over Russia. There were uh, stories um, which sound apocryphal, but apparently are not, of the uh, Germans being able to intercept Russian signals traffic because they are sending messages via the telegraph system uh, without any form of encryption. The Germans originally think that the Russians are trying to trick them um, by sending false messages, but they work out, no, they are actually just sending unencrypted messages. Um, so that gives you a clue as to where um, the, the Russian commanding officers, um, where, where they were at. So the plan for the Western Front was the, the, kind of the keystone in the entirety of the uh, Central Powers strategy in the year of 1914. Um, in uh, 1913, Moltke said to um, Conrad that Austria's fate will not be definitively decided uh, along the book, the um, uh, river in Poland, which is uh, kind of bisects the country, uh, but rather along the Seine in France. His aim was to turn encirclement to advantage, writes um, Alexander Watson, concentrate his forces overwhelmingly against France, and then, once that enemy was eliminated, use the Reich's efficient railway system to transport them eastwards. So this was a matter of timing. If the Western campaign took longer than six weeks, the slow but powerful Russian army would be able to mobilise fully, giving it the opportunity to overwhelm the Austro-Hungarians in Galicia and the weak German force left in East Prussia. The German chiefs of staff's key challenge was to defeat France quickly. Um, German officers in the war's aftermath claimed that the answer to this problem was bequeathed to Moltke in a memorandum written in 1905-1906 by his illustrious predecessor, the infamous Schlieffen. Um, and this, um, so the, the Schlieffen plan was uh, a message left behind for Schlieffen to his successor Moltke as a kind of a, here's what you do. So, uh, Alexander Watson writes, 
This plan envisaged an army of 96 infantry divisions, 82 of which, um, later joined by five others from the south, were to be deployed as a strong right wing between Metz and Aachen um, and tasked with sweeping through the Benelux countries in order to bypass France's chain of border fortresses uh, to break into the northeast. The point of Schlieffen's plan was not contrary to an oft-repeated claim to capture Paris. The encirclement of the French capital, as it proposed, was merely a highly, un uh, highly undesirable last resort, necessarily, uh, necessary only if the enemy retreated so far that his left flank uh, rested uh, on the fortified city. Instead, the plan's primary objective was the envelopment where that might prove possible, and through the uh, and, and through it the annihilation of France's army. So the the encirclement of armies. This is um, the entirety of uh, German war strategy in in the Second World War was the the encirclement and destruction of um, enemy armies. Um, Moltke was obviously heavily influenced by Schlieffen's uh, memorandum, but like his predecessor, he saw uh, a strong right wing. Uh, conducting a decisive offensive through Belgium, outflanking the French fortress belt and enveloping the enemy army. However, uh, writes Watson, Schlieffen's plan had been completed while Russia was incapacitated by revolution, so it was written during the 1905 revolution. Moltke worked in the far less favourable circumstances, he was confronted not only with a two-front war, which necessitated leaving nine divisions in the east, but also with a western enemy likely to fight more aggressively than ten years earlier. He was also pessimistic, or rather more realistic, about the many assumptions built into the Schlieffen Plan. Consequently, he introduced important modifications, most notably, and against his predecessor's legendary deathbed exhortation to keep the right wing strong, he weakened it. Whereas Schlieffen placed 87 divisions there, Moltke only had 54. The ratio of forces between the left and the right wings also changed, from 1 in 7 in the original 1905-6 plan to 1 to uh, to 3 in 1914. The, uh, um, after the war, Moltke was heavily criticised um, and his um, to his many sort of denigrators after the war, this was a, a disastrous decision um, that basically cost Germany the chance of an early victory. Um, it does make a kind of sense, however. Moltke needed fewer divisions on the right because, unlike Schlieffen, he neither intended his troops to march through um, Dutch as well as Belgian territory. Or nor in any circumstances to march around Paris. Um, taking on Holland, he recognised, would absorb considerable strength, better deployed against Germany's real enemies. So it, there was always a, a plan to march through Belgium, but there was it was not necessary to it was not necessary um, to march through the Netherlands, even though that was um, that was um, part of the the kind of the suggestions of the, of the Schlieffen plan. Moltke knew the plan was a high-risk enterprise. He wanted insurance uh, and hoped that if the initial offensive failed and static war developed, a neutral Holland might act as a windpipe 
through which the blockaded Reich could funnel goods and raw materials. So there, it's interesting there that Moltke predicted the possibility of a, a, a static war or something akin to a trench war. Moltke's decision to allocate more troops than Schlieffen um, had, uh, had planned to allocate to the left wing, southeast of Metz, was in part a product of the same calculation. It helped to protect the Saar, the uh, coal-producing region of Germany, um, which would be uh, essential if the initial gamble failed. Um, it was vital that Germany didn't lose places like that. Moreover, um, Molka saw this wing's 16 divisions playing a significant if subordinate role in the coming campaign. He foresaw correctly the likelihood of a limited French offensive into Lorraine um, and wanted to fix his left wing or perhaps still draw in the enemy's strength, which would then be uh, counterattacked from the flanks, enveloped and annihilated. So, um, as in the, in the Second World War and the First World War, um, one of the key objectives that the French had was seizing back the provinces of Alsace and Lorraine, which were taken from uh, France um, during the Franco-Prussian War, and luring uh, initially uh, luring the French into a campaign in Lorraine uh, would lead to France's um, France becoming ensnared there, and its army its armies becoming surrounded. Um, so there was there was some logic in a way of having a weakened right wing, which was the uh, the army that really uh, swept around and, and eventually did encircle Paris, or nearly encircle Paris. I beg your pardon. Um, and the left wing being strengthened, but being less strategically useful in 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 the long run. Um, a lot of this is based on the the kind of the, the assumptions of both Molka and and Schlieffen, and the Schlieffen plan itself, uh, unfortunately, being uh, based on the conditions of when it was written in between 1905 and 1906. Um, this is all rather unfortunate for Austria that had bet bet its strategic future on Germany managing to pull off. This sort of um, this sort of strategy, and uh, eventually facing the full might of of the Russian army. Um, so we'll we'll go on uh, in a future podcast to look at the the battles of the Missourian Lakes and look at how uh, against all odds Germany actually manages to turn the situation around and manages to reverse uh, the, the nightmarish circumstances of um, August and September 1914. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast, um, and um, do check out all the things that are happening at the moment with the um, Explaining History podcast uh, Facebook group, 
Uh, and um, the content that I'm putting up as quickly as I can do on the Explaining History website, www.explaininghistory.org. And there's a link there through to our Patreon if you can sponsor the podcast. That would be awesome. And I look forward to uh, catching you all soon on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.